this song's called Anything Anything. Give me what you got, Rebel Love. Give me what you got. You say hearts on fire. You got one desire, one love, one heart. You're like a work of art, Rebel Love. Open up your mind. Rebel love, don't be so unkind. If it's the girl in you, makes you wanna run away, then it's the woman in you that wants to make you stay. When we love, we want something in return. When we love. We're gonna make a risk we might get burn, 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 burn. Rebel love. Ah, la, la. Rebel love. Oh, rebel love. Oh, my rebel love. We want something in return When we love We're gonna take a risk We might get burn, 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 burn Rebel love Give me what you got Rebel love Give me what you got Say hearts on fire You got one desire One love, one heart You're like a work of art You're like a work of art Garland Jeffries is here Hey, everybody. I'm glad to be here. And uh... You're just on Letterman on Friday, a killer version of Coney Island Winter. So tell us about the whole Letterman experience. Well, you know, I did the Letterman show before, uh, years ago, many years ago, almost 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, this new album is, is, is out now. Uh, the King of In-Between. The King of In-Between. And, and uh, it was time to come back. And it was great to see... Guys that I've known for so long, you know, uh, uh, Will Lee, Paul Schaefer, and 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 the rest of the guys, the horn section. I and but it was I, I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed the whole thing, and uh, Letterman gave it a really wonderful uh, rave. You know, they loved the album, and uh, so, I, so I was pleased. And this new album, The King of In Between, basically is an homage to your growing up in Coney Island and Sheepshead Bay and stuff. Do you, um, if, as you watch what's happened there, first Williamsburg, look what's gone on there, and then you even look, now they're cleaning up Coney Island and stuff. Do you, is that why you wanted to 
you know, stake your claim to that with this it's, album? It, uh, the Coney Island, uh, using the Coney Island title and the idea of Coney Island, it's really only used as a metaphor. What's really underneath the Coney Island story is the real deal that's, that's going on in Coney Island, which is really going on in the whole country as people can't work, people can't find a job. Uh, the, the, the challenges that people are going are unusually bad. Hasn't been like this in many, many, many years. And it's probably going to get worse, you know. Yeah, I think it's going to get worse. We're here with Garland Jeffries on the peak. And so, you know, this song, Coney Island Winter, you know, it's... Uh... Vanity strikes, humility speaks. Insanity lives on the edge of the streets. This is a story that happens every day. Politicians kiss my ass. Your promises that break like glass. Royalty looks down. Me, I want to kiss the ground. 22 stops to the city. 22 stops to the city. 22 stops to the city. 22 stops. So that's the uh, first verse, really, of the song, Coney Island Winter. And uh, uh, like I was trying to say, it, it's, it's not a direct song, it's not a direct story about Coney Island. Coney Island is really used as, a, as, a, as the front of the story. The back story is the real story, is that uh, there are no uh, jobs in Coney Island. There, are no, there is no work in Chicago. There, there is very little uh, opportunity in small town America to get jobs. Uh. I strolled on down the valley of death I met the angel and the devil's breath I can tell you I was not alone Me and myself with the bright lights on And yes, 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 it ain't no jive Grateful I'm here, I'm still alive Stumble all along my path But I took down notes and I photographed I'm alive, yeah I'm alive Alive I'm alive, 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 not dead, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. Yeah, this could get my story. Chapter and verse, I did reverse the hurt. Now I'm standing here basking in the glory. Life could be a curse, a pride and purgatory. I didn't do no crime, shouldn't have to do no time. Could be standing here between the judge and jury, hanging with from a loose loose like a serpentine. I'm alive, yeah. 
alive, I'm 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 not dead, I'm alive. I'm alive. Soldiers to the left, soldiers to the right, ain't no reason. Is this treason? A hunting season. I'm alive, 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 I'm alive. I'm going for the sublime this time between the divine and the humankind. I'm alive. Alive, I'm 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 alive, not dead, I'm alive, not dead, I'm alive. Soldiers to the left, soldiers to the right, ain't no reason. Is this treason? This treason, a hunting season. I'm alive, 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 not dead. I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, yeah. I'm alive. My, the first album of yours that I was uh, that I had bought was Escape Artist. Right. I was like thirteen or wow. you know, twelve or thirteen at that point. I remember, and it came with the bonus EP. Yeah, <laughs> and it had ninety six tears on it. That's right, and also R O C K, which is my that bon- is my favorite Carla Jeffrey song. The bonus EP that was the um, uh, that was a fight to get that. You know the. They had originally promised to give me a second uh, uh, 12-inch. Oh, so it was going to be a double. Yeah, it was the 12-inch was going to have the, those bonus tracks on it. I did two, uh, two songs in London with Linton Queasy Johnson and uh, Dennis Bovell, these real dub masters, and, 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 and Linton being a poet. And, uh, and then I did uh, Christine, a uh, second, second version of Christine, Plus, uh, was it Lover's Walk was on that? Lover's Walk, right, exactly. And, um, uh, but then when I wanted to do it, they, which they had, I, I spent the money to do all that, and they said, no, we don't want to do the second one. And I, I just, you know, I blew up. And, uh, well, they just put it, they just taped it to the back. Fortunately, they gave me at least something. So that's when I put out the little EP. Oh, it was great. And they put it in. It was you know. like, it's funny because at that point, uh, Epic and Columbia was doing all sorts of that. I mean, the Elvis Costello album, yeah. album had the EP in it. That's right. Everything was a double or a triple album. You could. It's funny. Back then, you could almost see the greed of the record labels. Like, literally, like, you know, the Clash with a double album into a triple album, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Springsteen had a double album around that same time with The River. And then, you know, all the, you know, Elvis Costello with the bonus EP, you with the bonus EP. Then they did the crazy, remember, it was around the same time they did the one-sided singles. Yeah. That was like, 
Like, literally, it was just any way they could screw over the consumer. Um, so tell me about Luna Park Records, which is what you put your album on. That's- well, Luna Park is, you know, again, it's I'm attached to the whole... You know, the, my story in Coney Island is very, very simple. I was, I was born in Coney Island Hospital. I grew up very close to Coney Island, Brighton Beach. And, and a thousand yards from bed. the cyclone. A thousand <laughs> yards from the cyclone, exactly. And uh, uh, if you were a kid going to, going, you know, going to Coney Island in those years, you had the greatest experience uh, imaginable. It was just an amazing time. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was born in 43, you know, so... Uh, you know, I, I saw Jackie Robinson play his first game. I was four years old. I was at Ebbets Field, 1947, uh, and that's the cover of the Buckwheat album. Right, that's you, know, I'm you right the in baseball. front of Ebbets Field. That's the fo- that's the day. But the incident that caused the "Don't Call Me Buckwheat" came from Yankee Stadium. That came from uh, that came from um, a game Nolan Ryan versus. Uh, uh, that was at uh, Shea Stadium. Nolan oh, it was Ryan, at Shea Stadium. Nolan Ryan facing. Uh, Dwight Gooden, the only time they played together. So this was in the 80s this yes, happened. Yes, the Buckwheat thing happened because the Buckwheat came out in, in 91. Right, but I just would have thought, for some reason I thought that it happened. So that had happened, you had already been established, groundbreaking interracial artists, and then even... Yeah, well, well, you see, you know, these people didn't know me. They were standing right, they were sitting right behind me. I had gotten up to go uh, and get a couple of francs and stuff for, for the couple guys I was with, right? And I'm standing up, you know, sort of like distracted, watching the game. Right, because no one riding Dwight Gooden's fence, right? And leaving, you know, just to go to the thing. And the guy says, hey, Buck Wee. <laughs> now, did you, did you, it's funny, I didn't know it was that late. Did you think that maybe it had something to do with the whole Eddie Murphy Saturday Night Live where he played Buck Wee every week? And maybe they just, for anybody, you know, because you have the crazy hair, and maybe they just, you know... You know, I say I had never heard anybody call Buckwheat before. You <laughs> Other know? than the Little Rascals, since, of course. Well, thank, I mean, you know, you all know? these Little Rascals, of course. But. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, I mean, it was a shock. It was a shock. I, it was very, uh, it was very personal. It was a very personal feeling I had. And uh, I got online and uh, I really said to myself, don't call me Buckwheat. And then I wrote the song within the next couple of days, you know. So my first, my first album that expressed anything about race uh, was on my first solo album, and I, and I did a song, Ballad of Me. But what can I say? It happened that way. I'm a freak in the family. Freak in the family Like a newborn child With a frozen smile I'm a just emotionally Just emotionally But in the night I dream of you The sweetest dream of just we two holding each other. Only 13, like a hawk in the night. 
I separate wrong from right, separate wrong from right. I'm a legend, you see, black and white as can be. And I give you this ballad of me, give you this ballad of me. In my way, I wish to say, I'm still afraid. All my friends and lifeline hands and mystery and unknown thing and Scorpio and old Mojo. Garland Jeffries. So tell us about the David Johansson. So you're doing a gig at the Tabernacle in Mount Tabor, New Jersey, which is off of Route 80 by Denville, very close to the WDHA where we're at. Tell us about this. So David Johansson's, uh, it's an acoustic show. Yes, an acoustic show. I'm playing with my acoustic guitar player uh, who uh, joins me on these kind of shows uh, as well as an accordion player. And uh, David is going to be uh, playing harp and singing his songs and doing his sort of act. Uh, Not and, the Buster Poindexter act. He's passed that, right? Yeah, I don't think it's a Buster Poindexter <laughs> thing. I think it's I think it's him. Uh, you know, he has a genuine, he's always had a very genuine enthusiasm for blues. So it's definitely going to be in that world. And uh, he'll have a guitar player who I believe has a lot of, um, he's a very interesting player. Uh, and perhaps has a, a few gadgets that he brings along to support a show that they'll do. So we'll, it's a co-bill. We do it together, and uh, it'll be fun because I've never played with David before. Now, are you guys going to get together and play a song together, or...? We might. I, we haven't made a decision yet. I haven't spoken to him about and it. Do you but... flip a coin before the show begins as he who goes on first? Whatever. whatever <laughs> whoever goes on first, you know? <laughs> now, uh, coming up in the... Uh... 70s and stuff did you guys did you ever cross paths with the dolls did you ever on a bill together with those guys we were never on a bill but we've known i've known him we've known each other for because we lived on the same block for years in gramercy that's where we lived. oh after because he was staten island yeah and you were brooklyn yeah but once once the dolls came in i was i right not far from max's you know that's where we were living so we see each other you know pretty much all the time and tony machine i would see him uh, a good deal as well, and uh, uh, but I'm a fan of his. I, you know, I support him. And now, do you think that like something like Max's could ever exist again, or because in the world of distractions and tweeting and all that stuff, where you know the people would just go to Max's just to go, like it was a Tuesday night, let's go to Max's and who's over there, just like people in the you know down the shore used to just go to the Stone Pony, didn't matter who was there. Now everybody's like, let me go look on YouTube, let me see who's playing. Does you feel that? Have you sensed that um, this disengagement? from watching these young kids, or if you go to like a concert with your daughter or something, that these kids are just not engulfed in the music anymore? I don't know. I, I just think it's just, 
moving forward in, 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 in different generations, you know? I mean, uh, someone just said to me two or three days ago that they know someone that is, is looking to rebuild Max's Kansas City. Well, that's the been same, discussed for a while, yeah. In the same location, uh, but this sounded like very serious. And they were asking me what I think. You know, I really didn't have a discussion with them. So, but I, I mean, you, I don't think you can duplicate that kind of stuff. It's done. It was, you, you can't, you know. Same thing with like a CBGB's too? I think the same thing. And it's, it's like some of the people who were going there, uh, you know, uh, it's a different atmosphere. It would be, like you had Andy Warhol, you know what I mean? You had Lou Reed, you had, uh, you know, you don't have that now. I mean, you'll have the most, the modern day group of people who would move through. Right. And I guess that, that could be considered just the next generation of people, you know, or if maybe two or three more generations beyond. Uh, but I don't think you can duplicate any of these kinds of things. Never again. No. Now, Lou Reed now doing something with Metallica, which is a pretty wacky collaboration. What is the weirdest collaboration that's ever come across your desk where somebody's coming to say, Garland, I want you to sing on this, or something where you've felt that, wow, this is really... I don't get those kind of offers. I don't you get should. those kind of... Uh, uh, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do these kinds of things. I, I, I just really want to do. So, if I'm going to collaborate, like for example, Suzanne, Suzanne Vega, and I were talking about doing a song together, which would be fantastic, like a Christmas song, "Baby, It's Cold Outside." Oh, that was the idea. I really can't say. Baby, it's cold outside. You know, that would be great. So well, let's all, day, we're getting close to Christmas, by the way. We're in the middle of October. <laughs> so we talked about that. that. Send it over. And let um, me see, you know. You know, there, there a couple things come up. But, but for me to go and... and uh, uh, I would never say no. Because you never know, you know. Uh, I think that Lou, in this situation, I haven't heard the music yet. I mean, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, uh, but I think he, I think he thought he had, I think he thinks that he had a really good uh, collaboration here. You know, I mean, I haven't heard it, you know. It's, so it's can, interesting uh, to say the least. Yeah. Because I mean, so, this uh, was a guy who really never sang. I mean, Lou Reed yeah. doesn't sing. He talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and he yeah. talks in his staccato voice and stuff. Um, now, now, the rumor is Springsteen may be doing Christmas shows again. I know you've been a part of those. Yeah, well, I, we'll see what happens. If that's going to, I mean, that, that rumor comes up every year, every year. Though, you know what I mean? <laughs> we live it as New Jerseyans, yes. I think he should. I think it's, it's always, not that he should, it's, it's always a lovely thing, you know, because it, it really does take a whole, I mean, the first time I did the shows with him. It was were, right after 9-11, right? Because right you did New York Skyline? Yeah, exactly. It, it was right after that. And it was, uh, I was going to, I was playing at the Village Underground that week. Uh, and I had, uh, I got, Bruce called me and he said, hey, I'm doing these shows. Uh, would you like to come and be on the shows with me, you know, and other people, you know. I said, uh, I said, I was, I'm doing, I'm planning to do a couple shows myself. I haven't pinned down which nights. He said, well, why don't you come up and play with my, me and my thing, you know? And so we're talking about the, you know, what was going to happen, and I, it gave me an offer I couldn't refuse, which was just to be 
to play and enjoy the whole experience. And it was 9-11. For charities, of course. We had been talking a lot about 9-11 on the phone and stuff. And uh, that was amazing because of the 9-11 thing. Uh, it was just uh, people, when I sang, and I sang, I sang uh, uh, Skyline every night, people were crying every 35 night. 35 millimeter dreams too, right? Yeah, but but I did I did uh, the, but the skyline, skyline song was the, the one brought that brought down the house because it really it really was a it was a really powerful night. Each night was uh, no, it was some of the best shows ever.
always maintained that uh, Wild in the Streets, the subject matter, as well as some of the other things later on, you know, Don't Call Me Buckwheat and stuff, were really the precursors to the hip-hop rap movement. Of, I felt what you were doing in 73 with Wild in the Streets, really, because that is, I mean, that's the way the verse is set up. It's almost could be converted into a rap song. And the irony of that song, as you know, instead of becoming, you know, a, a song that was sampled with rap, it ended up becoming a skate punk anthem, which is completely the opposite. It's a happy accident. Well, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, I, you know, I, first of all, I think any songwriter is thrilled when their song gets recorded by anybody. It's a, it's a thrill. You so know, you like the fact that the Circle Jerks did a four-minute song in a minute and 12 seconds? <laughs> I, I like that they did my song. I didn't like when they got a commercial on from the song and didn't, didn't give me my share. I didn't like when they call their lyrics, my, call my lyrics their so lyrics. So you had to chase them down. I have to still chase them down. So all those, because they sold a lot of records and obviously all those skate things, so they didn't pay you. No, we're, we're working on that. Jeez. And one question on that song. Is that Mick Jagger on background? No. It sounds... No, that's not him. Who is that? No, that's me. I'm doing I'm doing. You're that. doing both? Yeah. The high end? Because yes. that one part sounds like... Did you realize it sounded like Mick Jagger or you never really... No, I never thought about that. Maybe that's why I've never seen anything written about it. You know, I... I always I, thought that one part was... You know, I thought it was two voices and I thought the second one was Jagger and you were on Atlantic no. at that point. No, 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 no. This is it. This is America. Tell me how is your favorite son? And do you really care what he had done? Running wild in the street Running wild in the street Running wild in the streets Streets, yeah Running wild in the streets Mrs. America, tell me how is your favorite song? That's, that's basically it. You know, yeah, so. I remember when I first heard that, I'm like, wow, that sounds like Mick Jagger. I've been talking about that song a lot lately because um, I'm, I'm mixing with a lot of people these days, you know, and uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. People say, where, is, where does that come from? Where does this come from? And... I remember when the Wild in the Streets, uh, I, had, I had written it from a murder. There was a murder in the Bronx. Two young kids that must have been like 12 and 13-year-old boys threw a 14-year-old girl off a roof. And uh, uh, I immediately wrote a song within the next two days. And then I was able to go into the studio and record it. And Dr. John was in town. So he and I arranged the song. And then we went over to the record plant. And we recorded it and on that out on that on that particular song. You had uh, Michael Brecker on 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 uh, wow Michael Brecker on uh, on horns, Sanborn Brecker, Randy Brecker, and I don't remember the trombone player. Doctor John on keyboards, uh, Rick Morata on drums. Uh, you had a wonderful crew of great great players and not Mick Jagger and no Mick Jagger (laughs) or your Garland Jeffries all the vocals were uh, were mine except for the ones for David Peel on the Lower East Side 
Oh, okay. Because they're, they're shouting on it. I wouldn't call it singing. They're shouting on it. Uh, like, wow, in the streets, they're doing that. You know? And that didn't end up on your debut album. That didn't come out for another three or four years, right? It was a single, yeah. but it wasn't on your first album. But then it ended up on Ghost Rider, yeah. Ghost Rider a couple years later. That's right. Yeah. How did that, like... Because it was a single. And again, the incident is what spurred the... Recording and the album was already done. And the first album was already done, and I wanted to put it out right away. And we put it out as a single, and it became very successful throughout the country. And I produce, I put together like thousands of them. And it was a guy I knew in the jukebox business in New York, and he put the record on every jukebox in New York that that he was in control of. <laughs> music for oh many 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 years now I'm very pleased and thrilled with this new album King of In Between <clears throat> you might say that I worked my ass off on this record to try to try to make a good record you know and uh, it's and I have to say that I thought about my fans throughout uh, throughout the making of the record because in the end my fans are the ones that want it, and they want to, you know, 
they want to hear it. You know, I, I certainly want to make a good record, but I'm, I, I have to say the fans kind of push me along on this, you know, because it's like, I don't, I don't want to get a response back from people that they don't like the album, you know. You know, it, in other words, what I'm saying is having fans, first of all, is the greatest thing because they support you in more ways than one. And one of the ways is that it forces me to really dig down and make a better record than, than I might have had I not had fans, you know, had I not had an audience. And uh, um, so, and, and you know, all these years, and I feel like it's only that I, 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 only something I know now, which is that without fans, what do you have? You don't have anything, you know? And uh, maybe, maybe a lot of people don't look at it that way. I look at it that way, you know? So, so this is a, a dedication to them. And uh, I'm thrilled that they're coming down with it. Highline is doing very well in terms of ticket sales and people coming out to the show come on out <clears throat> go do a three-hour show that night it's going to be a, a fantastic night you know it's going to start at nine o'clock i think doors open at seven we'll have all the albums uh, available you know including uh, the vinyl of the new album and uh you know of course the cd and i'll be available with uh, hanging out you know uh, hiding behind backstage is no longer an option. You come out, you have to be out with your fans, you know. And that's, uh, so, this is, uh, this is a song that I did a, a duet with uh, once with my, uh, when she was uh, eight years old. You know, occasionally we do, my, my Savannah, my girl, my daughter. So this was a, it's called Gotta Get Away From, I Gotta Get Away From This World. Gotta get away from this world The rules and the guns Away from this world You're not fooling anyone Oh, 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 oh yeah I give my heart to you Gave up my world for you, yeah Give all my love to you It's true Some days it's till the end Somewhere beyond pretend some days you can't depend You can't rely Gotta get away from this world The rules and the gun Away from this world You're not fooling anyone Oh, oh
this world Away from this world Away from this world Away from this world Gotta get away